Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon on a Thursday, the Thursday, really. Arguably the best sports day of the year. Um, <laughs> Right, I, mean, I don't know what, what maybe tomorrow just because it's Friday. So you it would have been so much early. better if my Mounties had won, but but no, no, first team eliminated. From first team sixty four. Yeah, first time. Yeah, sorry, Boy, that sucks. That's better, it's, it, Trust me, it's worse for Virginia. Right? But BPI had it. Uh, all right, Lauren Koval is here with Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Lauren, how you doing? I'm doing better than Wolf because BPI had Virginia in the Sweet 16. <laughs> okay, thank you. You may as well not even turn in that photo uh, of a bracket you have. <laughs> What's your point, Dixie? Uh, Furman also had not been in the tournament in 43 years. Oh. <laughs> Oops. That's why there was no BPI on Furman. <laughs> they didn't even waste their time. Well, they should have because they're in the round of 32 now. They took their first lead with five. Five minutes left in the game, by the way, and promptly lost it to only take him back. Oh, my goodness. Great day for Jared Carlin so far. And he left. I went out to tell him this. But, okay, Maryland, where a lot of his family's from, they win. And Furman, who a lot of people, that's what people consider (laughs) Jared Carlin to be. He's the Furman. So he's 2-0 so far. All right. Sorry, Lauren. Are you you irritated with us yet? Oh, no. I'm loving this. March Madness is like my Christmas. Like, I'm ready to celebrate and just immerse myself in it. You're not alone. No. All right. But let's get this show back on track. Or try to, at least. Good luck. Yeah. All right, guys. It's March. Time for the madness yet? Yes, already. So ASU's in with a dominating win over Nevada last night, 98-73. to They will face TCU in the round of 64 tomorrow. We had Tim Healy on earlier in the show, and he said that he believes DJ Horn is the difference maker for this team. Who do you guys think is the difference maker? Uh, it's yeah. hard to go against Desmond Cambridge, although his actually his brother was playing really well last night. So was Des. Um, what I like about this team is they they don't they're not too top heavy. You know what I mean? It's not. it's not like a one man no. team. No, they're not. Can I just can I alter your your question? <laughs> Welcome to That's a, down that your is life. allowed. Okay, good. that is a tradition it's in this just, segment. Man, do they play defense like they played defense last night? Uh, they can beat. They can beat some people. Let's put it that way. I don't want to say they can beat anybody. That's hyperbole. But they can beat TCU if they play the same way they played defensively last night. They'll beat TCU. Yeah, they don't have to shoot sixty four percent to win games, which is good because they're not going to keep doing that. But the the defense being sort of the foundation of everything. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I think they absolutely can beat TCU. I I get why TCU is a higher seed, but I think ASU can beat them. Wolf, I'm going to flip your question around back on you. Okay. Do you think that ASU needs to shoot like they did last night to beat TCU? No. No. That's ridiculous. 64% from the field. 
That was the highest percentage they shot in a decade. I'm guessing it's the highest percentage by a lot, at least this season. Like, you know what I mean? Not just always the highest. I mean, they have games where they just can't hit anything, but they're still in a lot of those games because of their defense. So They were 52% from beyond the arc. (laughs) You know, I just, yeah, no. they, They don't have to shoot that well. If they do, if they come anywhere close to 64% from the field, they'll beat TCU. Shockingly relaxing win for ASU last night. And even if they keep winning, no more of the games are going to be calm and relaxing like that. You know what I mean? They're not going to. Remember, they had that 30 point lead. All yeah. of a sudden, it was 19. Yeah. Were you thinking to yourself, hey, you know what? What time is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> what? What? What are you doing? Stop it. Uh, walking outside please, and not will watching you please this. Please put the hammer down. Okay. Ah, I see you've watched the issue before. Yes. Our Sanders and Ford poll question is up now on ArizonaSports.com, and it asks which Arizona schools will survive the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament? You've got U of A, ASU, and GCU. Uh, <laughs> wait, I'm trying to see. There's not one that says all three because, uh, okay, ASU and GC would have to play each other. Well, I don't want to answer this. I mean, the opening, of the course, opening weekend. Yeah, fine. Did I give you my logic? I mean, what right? I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I picked, Just say it, Luke. I picked, well, because <laughs> G- GCU and ASU would have to go through Gonzaga. I think U of A plays Princeton, and then I think they play one of the high school teams from up the street. Utah State or Missouri, so basically. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, U of A is a higher seed. They deserve a much easier bracket than ASU. I get that. <laughs> a much easier path. But they, in filling this out, I realized that U of A probably has the easiest corner of this, don't you think? Like, the, you don't yeah. know. You fuse the BPI. <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> the West. I thought the West. This is great. The West was tough. U of, I mean, I have U of A in the Final Four because I don't know that anybody from that region is going to beat them. So I guess the answer is, is only Arizona. That is not the number one selection Good. right now. ASU fans riding high. Wow, okay. It's U of A and ASU at 32%, and then only U of A at 30%, and only GCU at 29%? <laughs> well, that's that's an odd choice. Um, I will say this. I think ASU could, could do some damage. I'll just say that. Yeah. Not, not like you're, hey, they're running to the Final Four. I think they could do some damage this weekend. They could certainly, I mean, we've had this conversation. They could easily lose to TCU. But would it stun me if they beat TCU and things got weird with Gonzaga? No, it wouldn't. Not when you play defense like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I disagree with Luke. I think Gonzaga will handle business. They probably will. Yeah. I like that you guys are divided on an issue for once. I feel like wolfing down your lunch is a lot of, yeah, sure. Well, we try to, a lot of agreement. We try to unite against Maloney when she's asking the questions, but she's not here, so. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. The Suns play against the Orlando Magic tonight at 7 p.m., and you can find that game here on 98.7. The Suns have lost their last three games, all against current playoff teams. Do you guys think this is a must-win game? Are we in that territory yet? It's not must-win, but it it is definitely in that. Uh, Wolf, you identified this a couple of days ago. This is in your 
your little group of three there out of these last 13 games that on paper should be, quote, easier. And Yo. you, you can't be throwing those away because if you lose to Orlando tonight, and they, they shouldn't. But if you lose to Orlando, you're going to have to make that up by beating like Philadelphia or the Lakers in L.A. or something. Yeah, basically what the Suns want to do, I think, Basin Orleans, is kind of tread water for the most part right now. The Western Conference is so bunched up. It's so crazy. They just want to tread some water, win games without Kevin Durant. Just tread water until he gets back. This is, to me, this is, I don't want to call it a must win because it isn't. But this is an important game. They got to have this one. They got three games that are soft on their schedule left, and this is one of them. Yeah, I want to change my example. You should beat the Lakers in L.A. anyway. But if you don't win tonight, you're going to have to make up for it by beating like Denver or Philadelphia. How's that? It's free agency in the NFL. And the Cardinals so far have re-signed Kelvin Beecham, Will Hernandez, and added Kaiser White. What free agency additions do you still want to see the Cardinals make? Well, I don't care if it's free agency or trade or whatever, but I I want a center. And um, you need to replace Byron Murphy. And you need to replace Zach Allen. So they... This has to be the most holes this roster has had in a few years. When you look at just like, and it makes sense, you're in a rebuild, but like you don't have a center. You you have Marco Wilson. How many corner positions can he play? Right? Like, I'm I'm still of the mindset if Marco Wilson is going to be really really good in this league, that should be a bonus, not he should be your only corner. So, corner, defensive line, and center off the top of my head. Can I just tell you right now? Um, I I can't think of anything other than Ryan Kelly. <laughs> I can't think of anything but Ryan Kelly the center from the Indianapolis Colts and it's the reason why I, 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 I'm so locked in on him because I believe the Colts know they've got to get to three they have to get to three and if they don't get to three they're a total failure and Ryan Kelly is the guy they're waving around look everybody he's they're shopping Ryan Kelly why would they do that Well, they control who he goes to, and the Arizona Cardinals would love to have, I would imagine, Ryan Kelly as their center, and he'd be part of a deal, of course, in which they would give up number three to the Colts, move back to number four, and still get Will Anderson. I'm so, you were talking about this yesterday, I'm so locked in on that scenario, if that's the only thing that happens the rest of the way for the Arizona Cardinals, I'm going to be jacked up. Like, I, I, you yeah. mean like all the way until the start Kaiser, of next season? Hey, Ky- no, of course. They've got to do something. Yeah, they bring pick, some yeah. draft picks in here. But I'm t- Kaiser White, that's great because of what it means for Isaiah Simmons, in my opinion. And then all of a sudden, yeah, trade number three to Indianapolis. Who knows? They have to get to number three. They have to. And if they don't, they're a total failure. And somehow you get Ryan Kelly out of that, I'm done. Even though they shouldn't be done. I'm done. Well, you are done because we are way late to break. So um, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as uh, as always, Lauren, for stepping in there. The weather's getting warmer. Arizona Sports and Fulton Homes are reminding you that two seconds is too long to take your eyes off your kids around water. For life-saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, text SWIM to 620-620. When we come back, we are going to get deeper into the Cardinals. What exactly should the next move be for this team? Is it a DeAndre Hopkins trade? Is it something else? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NFL Free Agency Frenzy with Wolf and Luke. I tell you, Wolf, I'm looking through some of these free agent trackers out there, and for the most part, they just focus on the top 100, right? A lot of them have already signed or have re-signed. Yes. Like, it's, you know, and technically the new league year started less than 24 hours ago. I noticed you didn't get me anything for New Year's. No. Okay. You did make it pretty clear ahead of time you weren't going to. Um, Lamar Jackson (laughs) is still kind of out there, even though he kind of isn't. But for the most part, the, the highest rated free agent I see on collectively across these lists that is still available is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and I think we all know he's not coming to Arizona. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Wouldn't make sense for like eight different reasons. No, exactly right. Again, raise the floor. That's what I think the Arizona Cardinals are trying to do. Raise the floor. Well, you don't need a safety, and he doesn't seem to like Jonathan Gannon either. So. No, ex- ex- <laughs> yeah, I, see, I get your point right there. But again, even the talent level, what do you think it's going to cost? To actually sign him. Apparently a lot because nobody's signing him. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I would imagine he's asking a lot. Yeah, I would I would assume so as well. So maybe it's not free agency. I, I just if the question is what's next for the Arizona Cardinals, you got the draft in what, about six weeks. It doesn't it feel like what's next is a DeAndre Hopkins trade? I mean, that that at least logically would seem to be... It feels weird talking about this because it's not like I want them to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. It just seems like a foregone conclusion that they're going to trade him. But other than just, okay, they signed a guy that you know, you've know you seen play a couple times but probably isn't a big name, it seems like the next logical step is that trade. Yeah, um, that might be what you're thinking right now, Luke. But it might be. In terms of some of the free agents that are still out there, you know the way I feel. I've been talking about the Ryan Kelly thing. That's what I'd love to see. Of any move, whether it was a free agent or not, of any move, that's what I would love to see. And I do believe there's a huge likelihood that that does happen. Because uh, you know the Colts need to get to number three, but I don't want to go back there again. I mean, you um, do, but we can't. There are there are some guys that are out there right now. Mike Jacecki, there's a guy that I would love to see the Arizona Cardinals get. Because I do believe he's a stud, stud tight, tight end. Once uh-huh. again, he's a <laughs> it's stud, stud tight end season. He's a stud tight end, and I think that would really change an awful lot going forward for the Arizona Cardinals. And Max Williams, everyone knows my affinity, my affection for this guy. I love him, but I don't know if he's healthy. I just don't know if he is healthy and ready to go. But I also love the fact that this guy played for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, The Miami Dolphins, they play a style of football that's also very, very physical, um, very similar to what the 49ers play, and it's not a surprise as to why that is. That's their brand of football down there. So for me, I'd love to see that. That that would be A1. So you'd rather have him than Dalton Schultz? Because that's everybody's top-rated tight end. But in terms of what he would do specifically for the Cardinals. Yes, I I would rather rather have him. But again, I'm not going to go out and sign him to this awful contract. If, If you can't get him on the cheap, and you would not be able to get him on the cheap, you won't. Um... But for our little game, I'd love to see him sign that guy. (laughs) 
Why do you think that the are you just shooting down the Hopkins thing for the purpose of being able to talk about some of the the, the free agents that are out there, or do you think the Hopkins thing is is now sliding into we may not see this get done till closer to the draft yeah. range? No, I, I honestly do believe it will get done, but it's. It's a trade. It's not the un, undra, or it's not the unrestricted free agent market. Well, the, the only reason I bring that up is because there was a lot of talk over this past weekend of maybe it gets done before the new league year, and obviously we've passed that now. So there, there really isn't another big checkpoint until the draft. Right. I mean, yeah. there's, there's not. I mean, it's just kind of there's stuff happening, but there's not like, a, well, we got to make this trade before this date or it makes more sense or this or that or whatever. I mean, the, the big dates you have coming up now, if you're the Cardinals, are the draft. And unfortunately, May 2nd, because you brought this up yesterday. And now you've stressed me out with the Isaiah Simmons thing and how they have to exercise that fifth year option by May 2nd if they're going to do it. Yeah, but there are some guys that are still out there right now on the open market that I don't think is going to cost you a, an arm and a leg. When we talk about, hey, let's be competitive, raise the floor, let's go out and bring some pros in here. I think a guy, a Shaquille Griffin, by way of example, who was the Seattle Seahawks corner, a guy like that, I think is a guy that would come in here and compete. And it's not like he's going to break the bank. Uh, Marcus Peters. Marcus P- I was just looking at Marcus, Marcus Peters. Peters. Was is he 30? another guy. I think he's 30. He's still he's, out he's there. He's 30 years old. He is. And, you know, Shaquille Griffin is 28 as well. But you, you got to bring pros in here. And Marcus Peters is a pro. Um, I don't know if you could line him up on the perimeter anymore, but you're going to need that guy. You need a nickel corner. Nickel corner in today's NFL is a starter. There's 12 starting positions on a defensive football team. And you've got to include the nickel corner as that 12th guy. Let me ask you this, and and maybe you don't have the answer. Maybe nobody has the answer. Well, I would hope Monty Austinford has the answer. If you let Byron Murphy walk... That's like they weren't shocked when Minnesota signed him. They weren't like, "What? We thought we had Byron Murphy," you know. So, I mean, on some level, there was a conscious decision to to let him at the very least test the market, and then you know that it's kind of out of your hands to a certain extent when you do that. If you're letting him walk, don't you have to have a plan in place for who you're replacing him with? I mean, that's a starter. That's probably your best corner. So you, I, I can't imagine that they're just like, well, I guess we'll have to figure that out now. Yeah. They must have a couple names at that position in to. mind. Yeah, they've got to. So it's just a, they're just waiting guys out to try and get them for less? That's exactly what I think they're doing. And That's you know, a dangerous game. It is a dangerous game to play. There's no denying that, Luke. Um, but I think, again, you have to look at the reality of the rebuild. The rebuild is on, and it's happening right now. You want to raise the floor, and that means you got to go out and get guys that are pros, guys that are starters. By way of example, Calais Campbell is another guy. Calais Campbell, um, there's a lot of people out there that think he's done. I, I don't think he is done. And Calais Campbell is a guy that I bring back here, butt in a gap all day long. Even though the guy is 36 years old, I'd bring him back in a heartbeat if he says he wants to play another year. I'd bring him back, and Calais Campbell is exactly the kind of pro I'm talking about. He's not going to break the bank, but, man, he's going to make you better. 
He's going to be good enough to do his job. He's not going to Pro Bowls anymore, but Calais Campbell is a pro's pro. That's what this this rebuild has got to entail. Until you figure out where your strengths are, until you figure out where, what kind of drafts you're having. Well, so that's important, though, that part you just said. It's not... It, it, it. It's not we're just going to bring in pros, pros, and never go out and get big name guys. Correct. It's for now. It, it, for it's now. not that Monty Austin Ford's philosophy is to never try to put together the best team. Right now, you're just trying to you're just kind of trying to stop bottoming out, right? You're just trying for to now. put a team together and yes. work from there. It's the reason why, again, why wouldn't you go out and get pros? Because Calais Campbell's not a long-term answer. I mean, if he wants to play, it's going to be one more year. I keep talking about it. D-Hop, is he going to be traded? Yeah, he's going to be traded. J.J. Watt, did he walk away? Yeah, he walked away right there. You let Byron Murphy walk away. Byron Murphy, you let Zach Allen walk away. What, what does all this tell you? Rebuild is here, and rightfully so, but just because you do it that way doesn't mean you have to go out there and be an NFL doormat. You don't. Raise the floor instead of the ceiling. That's a different strategy than the vast majority of guys that are out there. That's a different strategy than they're going to take. So do it. Just your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, we got uh, Suns Magic tonight. Kevin Ray of Bally Sports going to join us for some game day with K-Ray. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Catch it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons. Game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. Look at this, Wolf. We're the real winners here. We have three game days with K Ray in the same week. Well, that's sweet. Three in, in four days. Uh, Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line as the Suns get ready to take on the Orlando Magic tonight. Uh, Kay, you'll have to excuse my co-host if he feels distracted. He's still filling out his bracket, even though like eight of the it games is not, are not. It's totally filled out. By the way, Kay, how is your bracket? Is it? <laughs> There's Paladins, baby. Game. Give me the Paladins. <laughs> <laughs> Final four, Furman. Oh, That's the man. new goal here. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kevin Ray joining us. Hey, uh, look, let's let's just start with Orlando tonight. It is the sort of game that you look at on the schedule, maybe at the beginning of the year, and you're like, okay, big deal. You know, it's uh, that that's a game I don't have to go to. Well, I would um, I would argue this game has some meaning tonight, Kay. Uh, anytime you're on a three game losing streak or any sort of losing streak this late in the year, and you have title aspirations, don't you kind of want to see that? losing streak end as quickly as possible uh well yeah and look i mean let's let's not kid ourselves here uh, this game has uh, a great deal of meaning for i mean any number of reasons you know not the least of which is being able to hold on to the number four spot and look we as we have seen in in the last two weeks you know, you wake up one morning um, in one position in the Western Conference and you go to bed at night and you're in another position, sometime even by not playing. But that being said, the Clippers won last night. They have pulled within a half game of the Suns. And it's a Clippers team that, you know, appears to be playing 
good, consistent basketball. Um, and a loss tonight would not only make it four straight, a loss tonight would mean a season sweep by the Magic. And it would also mean you're waking up in the morning or going to bed at night tonight um, in the five spot. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you don't, it sounds like a must win almost. And I'm don't not going to go there. It's a need to you, win. You, you better have a March Madness mentality when you take the floor tonight. Let me put it that way. So, <laughs> all right, Kay. So as you're prepping for Orlando, what is it that we need to know? What is the scouting report on Orlando? What do you expect to see tonight? Well, look, it, it's... It is in some ways like that team from Oklahoma City. Um, they're young. I mean, they've got a, a few veterans on the team, but most of their productivity is from guys who are between the age of 20 and 23. <laughs> so, um, which means a young team, energetic. Uh, they don't care if they're down by 15. They're just going to keep coming at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they beat the Suns, mind you guys, without Paolo Bancaro playing in that game. So we'll have an opportunity, uh, barring some you know late scratch, to see him for the first time. And this is a kid that can you know hang some crooked numbers on you. 27 points in their loss against San Antonio on Tuesday, but they're long, they're athletic, um, and like I say, they're they're young. So even if you build a double-digit lead with this team, they're not going to go away. They're just going to keep coming at you. Yeah, I mean, Paolo Bancaro's, it's not even like the odds on favor to win rookie of the year. It feels like he's already won it. So, yeah, that's it'll be a treat to see him, but uh, to your point, need to win the game anyway. Um, Kay, the, the two games earlier this week against the Warriors and the Bucks were, were going to be such a good measuring stick for where this team is, but now it's kind of hard to do that without your complete team out there. Do you take anything from that back-to-back, either good or bad, that, that made you feel better or maybe kind of raise some eyebrows? Well, you know, it you you love the fact that, you know, in both instances they got down big, you know, down 25 uh to the Warriors, uh pulled within 3. Uh they got down by 16 to the Bucks, ended up eventually, you know, taking the lead. Um so, you know, you you love the fact that the guys just keep fighting uh despite the you know, the the offensive kind of inequities that appear to be going on right now. And by that, I mean, it's a whole lot of Devin Booker and you're hoping for at least two other guys to, to step up. And unfortunately, you know, who those two guys, two other guys are right now has been inconsistent, unfortunately. And I think that's what has been frustrating. Um, to some degree puzzling you know look da had 22 and 12 against the warriors um but he was in foul trouble you know all the other night uh had some foul issues also against the you know the warriors so what the the question becomes like why why all of a sudden the foul issues um because in both of those instances you had a chance to have a huge impact on the game and uh so that you know, you, you like the fight, but the bottom line is you can't keep putting yourself in these early holes, um, be it first quarter or first half. Okay, why do you think the Phoenix Suns do not get to the free throw line? Why do you think they don't get calls? Oh, man, I, 
you know, if I if I had an answer to that wolf, uh, I, I would have a uh, I, I'd have a penthouse downtown. And but, you, I, but you feel I, the I, same I, way, right? I, I mean, yeah. And, and look, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, you know, the Suns are jump shooting team. And yes, by and large. They, they are a jump-shooting team. But don't sit here and tell me, and, and there was plenty of people adding me, you know, after the whole – because I, I fired off a couple of tweets after the other night because of the disparity, you know, and then people adding me about, well, Devin Booker never drives. Devin Booker's a, a jump-shooter. Uh, really? That's not I, I, Because I can, I can take you to six clips, six clips where he's driving in the paint yes. to the basket. And there was contact made. And the question becomes, okay, are they going to call that kind of contact tonight? Well, wait a minute. They're calling that kind of contact on the other end, but it appears it's, you know, only one end of the floor where that contact is being viewed as, you know, worthy of a foul call. And that's just not the other night. I mean, we know that Book makes a big chunk of his living at the elbow and at the, you know, 16, 17 foot mark. But this is not a guy that, you know, hoists eight to ten three-point shots per game. It's like you almost feel like he has a better chance of drawing fouls because of the way they're viewing defenders closing out on three-point shooters than if he does, if he drives to the basket. And that's that's what is absolutely maddening. Okay, along those lines, are you worried about, because everything you just said right there is is true, and it's happened, I mean, there's been a few games where the free throw discrepancy has been 20-plus, which is just unheard of. Um, are you worried that that might get into the Suns' heads at all going into the playoffs, where they're already feeling like they're they're playing an opponent and the officials before a series even starts? Well, you know, you you hope not, but as Monty said, um, you know, and and I'm I'm pretty sure that that he had a conversation with them after the Sacramento game because he admitted that that they got kind of too emotionally involved. I think was the way he characterized it with, you know, with, with calls that that weren't being made. So I felt like they they did a much better job of kind of bottling up and corralling that emotion against Golden State and. And the same can be said for the most part uh, against Milwaukee. But there was three or four times where Giannis is Giannis. Nobody is disputing that. But at what point can a guy just be given free reign to just barrel in through and and over people? Um, And, yeah, you can tell the guys. You can... Show them, you can plead with them. But as you guys know, human nature takes over. And you can go into a playoff series having the correct mindset. But if you get two or three series in, and all of a sudden you've got a 73 free throw disparity, um, you know, attempts by the opponent versus what the Suns have, it's hard to keep those emotions in check. You know, Kay, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming on. Of course, we appreciate you coming on. For me, I think it's going to be an issue in the postseason. I think the Suns aren't viewed as being a very physical team, and I think right now that's one of the reasons why they don't get a lot of the calls. 
And that's yeah. And, and look, I mean, the the addition and, you know, the return of Kevin Durant will help. He, yes. he averages almost eight free throw attempts per game. But that, you know, that they they can't view that. And Suns can't fans can't view that as like the saving grace. You I mean, there there are other guys who do need to step up and yeah. try to be initiators. DeAndre Ayton, we've seen and I pointed out it's one of the reasons why Josh Ikogi is in the starting lineup along with his defense, but Josh continues to attack the basket and put pressure on the defense. Uh, But, you know, guys off the bench uh, have got to take that same mindset as well. Yeah. Kevin Ray, great stuff as always, man. Thank you. All right, boys. Paladines all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Still in it. Uh, all right, that's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line as he does for every weekday Suns game, a little game day with K Ray. Text Valley to 620-620 and become a Phoenix Suns insider to get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. That's Valley to 620-620. When we come back, madness going right now. The Sun Devils are into the round of 64. They'll play tomorrow. How big was that win last night, specifically for Bobby Hurley? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That was a fun one last night if you're an ASU fan. Not only playing the defense that has served you pretty well, and, and they certainly were playing defense. In that first half when Nevada was kind of hanging around, it's just because they weren't missing any threes. That's how Nevada hung around in that game, and, and they really didn't for very long anyway. But uh, but defensively, ASU looks solid. That's been their, their foundation all season. Last night, they're shooting 64% from the field and over 50% from three. So they're probably going to beat almost anybody if they can shoot like that. You're not going to be able to shoot like that against almost anybody, though. So they get TCU tomorrow. Uh, If they're able to beat TCU, they'll play the winner of Gonzaga and GCU on Sunday, which is crazy if you think about it. Um, There's been some stories out there, though, Wolf, about how Bobby Hurley might be nearing his end of his time at ASU. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about. I'm not that. moving I, on I from Bobby Hurley, no, man. I'm not moving like. on from Bobby Hurley either. I'm just not doing it. And watching them last night, watching these guys play last night, based on the I, I saw Bobby Hurley all over this team. <laughs> just honestly, saw so much of what he was all about: the effort, the intensity, the know-how, especially on the defensive end of the floor as well. ASU, I think, getting off to a great start. Uh, Bobby Hurley had this team had him ready, ready to, play. to go. Yep. It's undeniable. It's be worth something. It is. I mean, they got off to, well, the, the Sun Devils went on a 13-0 run to make it 13-3. The Wolfpack, what, they, the first possession of the game actually made it three. And you're like, oh, no, they're making it yeah, three. Yeah, what are they doing over the there? The very first one right there. Then they go on this 13-3 run, and he had his guys ready to go. ASU had leads of 15-6, 32-20, 39 to 22, 53 to 26 at the half. They went on a 22 to 2 run to take a 29 point lead. They actually had it up to 30 at one point. They were on fire, ready to go. Bobby Hurley had his guys ready to ball. I, I think part of the conversation with Hurley, because I know the pushback, because I have 
friends that are ASU fans that don't necessarily, you know, maybe it's changed over the last couple weeks, but for the most part, they get frustrated with Hurley. I think most most fan bases get frustrated with their coach if their team is not succeeding consistently because it's college basketball and the players change so much now. I don't want to be at the point where, hey, making the field of 64, that's that's the be-all, end-all goal. I get that. But you're talking about Hurley being here for eight years, and they have now been to the NCAA tournament three of those eight years and would have been there a fourth if the 2020 postseason wasn't canceled. I'm not saying they were going to win the tournament that year, but pretty widely accepted that was probably the best uh, group and best season they've had under Hurley, where that was headed. So either way, you can't say it's three out of eight years. It's either four out of eight or three out of seven, however you want to look at it. Now, I know one of the years they didn't even make it out of the first four. I get that. And I know that all three years they've actually played the postseason when ASU has been good under Hurley. They had to start in the first four, but they have now won two of those. And if they win tomorrow, it's going to be their first time in the round of 32 since James Harden was on the team. It's not It's not like, it, look, as much as I love ASU basketball, it's not like they were consistently getting there. So the thought that, like, Hurley's at the end of his run here is, who do you have lined up as his replacement? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, he was building something. There was a pandemic. Yes. And it seems like he's building something again. Now, it is well documented. You don't have to document it. You can watch 10 seconds of the game last night. He was already screaming at the officials. <laughs> he was already turning red before we had gone through one minute of the game. Yes. But he does seem to be able to work the transfer portal to get players in here just as much as players leave. And in 2023, that is a quality you need to have. Yeah, you know, I just, again, going back to last night's game, and I just don't want to focus on one game when we talk about Bobby Early, but it just seemed to manifest itself. Again, Bobby Hurley's fingerprints being all over. Smothering defense by the Devils. Excellent ball movement. And then the shooting was, as we know, off the charts. They shot 64% from the field right there. But their defense gave up 26 points in the first half. 26 points! And it wasn't like the Wolfpack were just missing wide open looks. They were not. They played so well on the defensive end of the floor. And that set the tone for this game. And not only that, too. At one point early on, they had 20 made field goals and 13 assists on those 20 made field goals. They were sharing the ball. They were they were ready to play. And any time you look at this level... And I was talking about this earlier, the college level right now. You can make a kid, Basin Orleans, better than he is. You can. At the college level, just through motivating him, just through focusing the mind of a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid, whatever it may be, you can actually make him better than he is. And that's where coaching comes into play, where you got to reach him to teach him. An old coaching axiom. You have to reach him if you want to teach him. And... That's what, to me, that's, that's what I saw, a team that had been reached, so to speak. And because of that, they were responding, and they responded. Bobby Hurley had his guys ready to go. Steve Alford, not so much. No, and, um, you know, I'm looking at, I'm just looking at his record since he got to ASU, and... For the purposes of this, I'm going to throw out his first two years, even though, I mean, the, he, he won and lost those games. I get that, right? But if you're just going over the last six years, and again, there was a pandemic in the middle of it, 
He's one eleven and seventy seven, and they've been to the tournament. It would have been four of those six years. I, if that's if that's where we still are five six years from now, then I get it. Like okay, it's some, but but this is progress from where they were before. And a game like last night, he had him ready to play. And, yes. and, and, you know, that's that is a unique situation being in the first four. Now, look, unfortunately, he's been there a few times. So maybe that that helped with the preparation. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's there's the there's the thought that he gets too animated during games. But we, we treat Hurley like he's the only coach that screams at the officials. Now, yes. Does he go overboard? Yeah, probably. But watch watch March Madness and tell me that every other coach is just like, oh, good job, official. Nicely done. It's not. That's not the way it is. That's not reality. Yes. Um, okay. I would have. I would have thrived under Bobby Hurley. Oh, he's like the perfect coach. For I would have thrived under him. A guy who loves to stare you in the face, look you in the eye, and make all these wild eye movements as he's looking at you. It's an overreaction to everything. And I would have looked. I would have loved to have played for Bobby Hurley. My brothers, I just don't know if today's kid, if if you can do that. What's well, a specific the way type of kid that he does? You got to find a specific type of kid. The only thing I worry about in regard to Bobby Hurley, the only thing, because again, I would have loved it and thrived under him. You got to find kids that respond to him that way, because a lot of these kids. You bring them in, the transfer portal is real, and it is alive and well. And I I just don't know if you're going to get anywhere if you've got to rebuild your team year after year after year, as opposed to dealing with some guys for two or three. You know how we have the the sign in here that you're not going to apologize for being old school anymore starting on January 3rd? Yeah. You think Bobby Hurley has one of those in his office? Because he is old school. He is old school. And that, that can burn you, 100%. But I think he's done a pretty good job of identifying those players. Now, some of them, I mean, obviously the Marcus Bagley stuff, that didn't work out well at all. No. But no. It's, it's college basketball is such a mess that like when the season ends, okay, here goes 40% of the players are all going to switch over one team, basically. He, as long as he can keep bringing guys in when guys leave... That's kind of the know, way, that, that's not old school. Have some continuity. Yes, wouldn't but I don't know if that's even possible anymore. Um, why? Why would that not be possible anymore? How many? I mean, teams? It's not like your starters are going to sit there and say, "You know what? I'm out of here. I'm I'm in a good position here. I'm actually starting for a major college program." Now, again, it all depends how talented you are. I understand that, but if you're if you're getting Lots of minutes out of the floor. Why would you want to go somewhere else if you still have eligibility yeah. and you like your spot? But I, I I think a lot of teams around the country lose players now. You know what I mean? So it's it, unless you're – I mean, North Carolina is the – North Carolina – Almost won the title last year and didn't so even make it. So you think it's year to, to year the, in some of these football or, or these um, programs that are I think it's, thriving? I think, you think it's still year to year? If the concern with Bobby Hurley is that he's too old school, I'm just saying he's able to play that version of the new school game where it is sort of year to year. And you don't want to lose your whole roster each year. And there, yeah, there are certainly times where it's like, okay, I would prefer ASU just kept this guy instead of leave, letting them walk or whatever happened. Um but he's at least able to go out and add guys back that are decent players. 
He's not just like, well, our players walked. We're going to go 5-25 and 25 this year. I don't know. They're in the tournament. So <laughs> as long as he wants to stick around in the tournament, this, this was not happening yeah, when I went to ASU. Once again, I would say, you know, the, the Bobby Hurley even recognizes the fact he is a work in progress. He is. And he needs to change some of the things that he does, whether it's screaming at an official or a kid, for that matter. I think he realizes he can't be that volatile. Well, yeah. And if he didn't, then I would be more worried about it. Yeah. Uh, he knows he's still got work. All right. When we come back, we'll get uh, we'll get back into the Suns ahead of their game tonight. Campaign in particular played better, at least in the last game. How pivotal is he going forward? You'll hear James Jones' thoughts on campaign's progress next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.